Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm titling this the one we've all been waiting for, because let me tell you, I've been waiting and I know every time I put out a poll on who do you want to hear from, this is a woman who is requested. So today I have on Miss Independent herself, Charlene Fernandez, my friend, my, you know, co-worker who I worked with for so long and seeing her journey and her growth within this industry has just really excited me. And I'm really proud of her for being able to come on and share her story. And she's done a lot of, of growth on herself and her brand and her education and what she wants to be contributing to this industry and to people in general, to humans. And she's doing a, a damn good job. So Charlene Fernandez is my guest today, and we start at the beginning of her entering this industry and the feeling that her parents had that I'm sure a lot of us relate to and people around us maybe not being number one supporters of going into this industry and how that kind of lit the fire in her to prove them wrong and herself and that little voice within wrong and really showing what she can do and who she is within this industry and that it's an industry that allows us so much to be who we who we are and be with this diverse range of people that we work with and that we service and i think it it's a really incredible thing that this industry offers us is that diversity and i yeah i love hearing her story and we get into her fame team experience and the growth and expansion that that allowed her to see within the industry and within herself and how that led her to being winning independent stylist of the year and her beautiful collection that is now representing her and her brand. And it's just um, well worth the listen and really talking about that women in business and power and all of these things that I think are, are really important, sometimes more so than, you know, how you kind of got there. It's what you're doing with it now. So please dive in myself and Charlene. So before I do my intro to my guest today, I've got a little musical segue. Can you hear it? Miss Independent, Miss Out of My Way. I was trying to pick between that and Kelly Clarkson, so I went with Destiny's Child. <laughs> You're more the Kelly Clarkson, I'm more the Beyonce. <laughs> Both Miss Independent, love it. <clears throat> Welcome! The long-awaited Charlene Fernandez is here with us, and I can't friggin' wait. I'm so excited. I'm so honoured to be here. I'm so proud of your podcast. I'm proud of you and I'm re I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Love it. I feel like we've got a gloomy Melbourne day, but the sunshine is coming in from you and me. Yeah, here. Love it. So I feel like the, the big moment right now is you're winning your Independent Stylist Award and like this massive moment for you but what I really like want to do is like work our way to that because as much as we want to talk about that and hear this new journey and like uh, it's just I'm so excited to talk about that I still want to go into how it happened like there's a whole I feel like like I've said this so many times you watch people's Instagrams or you know it's a highlight reel is what's happening but there's this whole 
being in life and person before that. And I just can't wait to share your story with everybody. And I, yeah, I'm so excited. Thanks, babe. So how did you get into this industry? Like was hairdressing something that you always wanted to do? How did, how did you kind of fall into this? It's actually funny when I tell this story or when I used to tell this story, I was like, well, I wanted to be Beyonce. <laughs> then I realized I couldn't do that. So I was like, well, I have to do something pick else. the perfect song, essentially. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think from when I was little, like through my work experience and stuff, I did, um, you know, when, I, when we had work experience in year 10, I went and did that at salons and, um, but yeah, even before that, I was very interested in art. Like I was more with my hands. I wanted to, yeah. um, I was always the messy, you know, the messy one, the, like, if, you know, if we were, if there was some kind of art project, my fingers, my top, my everything would be in paint. And I probably am still that colorist as well. Um, but yeah, so then I guess through school, I was never the most academic. I was pretty switched on, but it was boring. Like I was like. Yeah, it's not that you couldn't do it. It's that you don't like it. I didn't like it. There was no interest. It it took so much for my brain to have to do that. It took a lot. So, um, and it's funny, I was thinking about this yesterday. When I then started my apprenticeship, I could do that book work. Yeah. I was fine to do that book work. Because what I you understood. were doing, the write-up and the, the book aspect was in a subject that you loved. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to know the science behind that. I didn't care about history and this and all these other subjects. High school was more about socialising for me. Mm. It was like, what's the tea when we got to school? Like, you know, <laughs> what's happening on the weekend? And, like, uh, that's what high school was for me. I had great relationships with my teachers, like, I had lots of friendships and all of that, but it, yeah, it was an art. I did really well in art. I loved it. was obsessed. My folio got graded really well. I was in the paper for my art score. Like oh, wow. it was, yeah, it was really good. Love it. And then pretty much, yeah, yeah. Right away into it. And was, I know that that's something, your article was amazing. It's something that you and I have spoken about, and I'll link the article in this write up for the podcast, but that your parents didn't have this joy for you joining hairdressing and that kind of, you know, I think that's something that's talked about a lot through this podcast and what I've been trying, you know, to get out is like, you know, it it is an amazing career, but something that I hadn't really thought about, which is my own fault, I guess, is that if you're coming from a family that has migrated here and you're saying they worked so hard to give you this best life and then you going into hairdressing was almost disappointing how did you navigate that and then the story of how they um saw you shine and th- that it changed the, the switch flipped yeah I think like when I was in high school and finishing high school there was such a push from my parents to go to uni like go yeah. study business first like it was kind of like the only way and even in my career um, like the advice from my career teachers was do uni first. You know, yeah. I was in a, a, was a good private school. Like, yeah, it was like, so even though I pushed and I made that choice myself that, no, I'm not going to do that, there's kind of almost like, oh, you've got to prove your, you know what I mean? Like mm. this better be good. I better yeah. be a success. But my older sister was studying law, you know, so she was, she was doing it right. And then I like I remember my dad was so upset. My parents were so upset when I told them I was going to be a hairdresser. Mm. Because back in Pakistan where they're from, it was the like, you know, it wasn't a glamorous job to be yeah. a hairdresser. It was it was almost like a lower class kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, yeah, I, it was my first hair competition that my dad came to. And I won, like it was an apprentice competition. I like I literally won so many awards. I was sitting down and then I'd have to run back on stage. It was the biggest rush of my life. And walking back, I, I could see my dad and he was like crying. Like my dad's a really beautiful, 
sensitive man and he was like I could see him shaking and crying because he was so proud and that's like that was that was it from then they weren't questioning what my career was or what my choices were and and then you know through then it just progressed but even I think I think my parents understood but I think it took a long time for my like my extended family to understand yeah only when I kind of got titles such as manager or Mm -hmm. creative director then it was like oh wow you know she's she's doing really good but I was doing good long before I got those titles it was just misunderstood the job title wasn't enough hairdresser wasn't enough no yeah totally no because it's like so many people even now I hear people and they say oh I'm just a hairdresser like it offends me deeply mm-hmm. when someone wow. says I'm just a <laughs> anyone watching because- on video balls <laughs> just popped out of my head like what <laughs> yeah because it's like we are we are so much we are so much our craft is so involved it's not just anything we are actually yeah. everything you know totally I've been having these ideas of things, you know, like that hairdressers are so much more. You're a therapist, you're a teacher, you're a friend, you're a scientist, you're, you're all of these things that, you know, many jobs don't have that many layers to it. And that's what the beautiful and the hard thing is about our industry. And yeah, to have people understand that, that must've been such a validating moment when you're, you were winning those awards and you seeing your dad, like you would have felt maybe a little bit of that pressure come off. Like, okay. Like I, yeah. I did it. I did it. <laughs> Even yeah. though you know, but it's you were kind good. of been a continual thing, you know, every time I get that validation from my parents, like it means so much. Like even yesterday I was telling dad about how I got to vaccine all the products and send them to clients and rah, rah. And he goes, you're, you're such a great businesswoman, Charlotte. And it's like, like that, you know, like it means a lot from your family. Like, and maybe because they're the ones that maybe gave you the hardest time when you were a kid, you know, they're the ones that were like, trying to motivate you or push you to do things or making me do homework that I was never interested in. And I think in your case too, being something like we've said is, you know, you were the loud one, the one wanting the attention or things like that. These things that are being shut down in you, maybe unintentionally by people around you, that this allows you to be that and going into the salon for the first time and seeing, I remember Jack saying it too, going into this salon environment where everybody was so themselves and just felt like they could be them that for you having this kind of maybe feeling of having to suppress your uh, personality or something the thing that I loved most about working with you was the opposite of that like the energy that you bring to the salon and to your clients like that's why people love that about you yeah and that's what I love like I remember once when I'd moved out of home and I moved out of home late, maybe 25 years old. And my mum was like, oh, you're always out and you're going to bars and talking to who knows, you know, God knows who. And, and I was like, that's what I love. I love that I'm talking to the misfits and that I don't want my growth to ever be linear. Like I want to grow in this Mm. way. And I feel like, I've honored that my whole life and I'm so satisfied with the human I am. Like I know so many different types of people and those that I don't, I want to inquire. I want to know more. And that's the part of our, you know, that's the, the, like half of it for me is hair and half of it is the human. Like it's like we're actually doing hair on a physical human being, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's so many parts to that. So, yeah, I think we're, I think we're like behavioral specialists, you know, hairdressers. And like we, you we get know. To know so many walks of life and so many career paths. Like I always tell this story about this client that I have that's a fingerprint an- analyst. And I'm like, who would ever know somebody who is a fingerprint studier? Like I love to, like, you know, and you get 100%. all these people in your chair that like I, 
feel like I learn so much by just having yeah. the diversity of my clientele and their careers and their life stories. And you're in these moments of their life when they're having breakups or having babies or having, you know, life moments that you really deeply connect. And that is your gift. And I think that that is my gift is that connection with a person and, yes. and making it so much more than just doing their hair. Like for you, yeah. that's a, a, it's a valuable, important, sacred moment, having your client in your chair like that. A hundred percent. It's so true. Like I had a sex therapist as a client, like, and I love this woman so much. I could <laughs> feel, I felt connected to her. I was like, I want to know what you do. Like, I want to come and see you. And, you know, she was like, you need to go do this course first. And I then went and did this course about yeah. knowing your feminine power, the self-cervix. And it was like, it opened up my growth. You know, my growth has then gone on a different tangent than it otherwise would have you would have never known of that had you not spoken to her in your chair for that hour or whatever it may be yeah and then your view of a sex therapist is maybe skewed because you've never actually met a sex therapist or even like a sex worker or you know whoever it may be like there's so many different people that 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 people put into categories, but us as hairdressers, I don't think we do. We rebel mm-hmm. against that totally. because we know the human behind the role. You know, I feel like it has something. I've just had like an epiphany of like, you know, I feel like I'm a very open-minded person to anyone. Like nobody, I, I would never walk by mm. someone and, and judge or be like, Oh, what? Like, you know, people do that. You walk with people and you hear things that they say. And I feel like maybe I've never accounted it to my profession as much, but you're surrounded by different people in your colleagues. Like think about the people we work alongside and the diversity in that building versus yeah. somewhere else, maybe. And I've never really thought of it that way. It's so true. Not only, yeah, that I think that is a huge contributing factor to us being maybe un- more open-minded or understanding or warm yeah. people to dif- uh, diversity. Yeah. Mm. yeah, everyone knows that hairdressers are always busy. We always have a big network. Like even now that we're in lockdown, like I'm busy. There's creative yeah. things that I'm doing. I'm constantly on the phone. Like yeah. it's, you know, we're, we're, yeah, it's constant. And yeah, I, I feel so, like I'm so happy to be a hairdresser. I feel <laughs> so too. blessed and like grateful that I am in this like multifaceted, yeah industry profession and lockdown is such a like as much as you know we hate talking about it but seriously being I think being a hairdresser during lockdown as much as it's so shit because we've been closed I am talking to someone uh, whether it's one person or five people a day someone's always messaging me whether they want shampoo whether they're checking in whether anything whereas probably in other industries you know that you're doing your work or whatever it may be but we constantly have that thing I'm the same way I know we're both the same and being busy and having stuff on the go constant connection it's constant connection so much so that it does take like effort to kind of rip away from that sometimes to have periods of solitude to have time Mm. away to have your own space and you know to switch your phone on airplane mode to to get stuff done for yourself yeah. Um, like I've, I had a doctor's appointment this morning. I had to go pick up a click and collect. I made sure I did a meditation at 12 o'clock. Then I, you know, like it's just been constant, but that meditation that I did was just like, Oh, okay. I've got some space. Like, you know, mm. it's really beautiful. And then I can keep going, you know, Yeah. but it's just, even yesterday, like I cooked a meal for myself. Lockdown has from, for me personally, yeah. I've found a lot of silver linings. It is difficult. You can't get ahead financially. Obviously, it's a struggle. Um, But the space that has been able to be created and what we can do with that has been a blessing, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's gone on way too long now. Don't get me wrong. Like, this is ridiculous. In Melbourne, (laughs) it's ridiculous. We don't. Yeah, we don't. After after. After six weeks, like in the first lockdown one, I was like, oh, my God, blessing, silver lining. Like, it's about time we get out. <laughs> I'm trying to be Miss Independent over here. Not actually independent alone in my house. 
exactly. So um, the next thing I want to kind of go into is your competition life, because that is something and like, you know, there's a thousand things we could go into. But when I came here and I had the privilege, you know, I I worked with you in the city and doing the comps, going to everything. (laughs) Why are you laughing? I'm thinking about that competition that I left you with my model one. I think it was a HBIA comp. And I was like, <laughs> do you remember we were in the corner at South Melbourne? Anyway, yeah. sorry, keep going. That's <laughs> okay. Oh my God, I want to know the story. But we, <laughs> seeing that life, and I'd been in that at home, but not to the extent or to the level that it is here. And I think because the hairdresser, because Australia is smaller, like it's big but smaller than the kind of industry at home like you know a lot of the people and it's the same salons and things entering and the vibe and the energy and everything that we got like you completely opened my eyes to a whole nother side of it and I loved going with you that was like part of the fun was like going with you and everybody being like Charlene Charlene like what the hell who the heck is this girl (laughs) and then yeah like how did that transition maybe your projection of your career or things like that entering into competitions and seeing that side of the industry so when I started um at Rock Ebony I Joey and Marie were you know up the top the creative directors and they were at the like, I mean, they've constantly been peaking those guys, but big idols of mine, like, you know, and they would ask me to come on photo shoots. And so I kind of got a, like an, you know, I got quite early on the opportunity to assist and be on those photo shoots. But then when there was time for competitions, like I wanted to put myself out there too. I wanted to be like Joey. I wanted to be Australian hairdresser of the year. I still want to be Australian hairdresser of the year. One day, I think along the lines, it got lost that goal of mine because I was doing other things. Yeah. But I feel like we are so lucky that we have an industry that has a platform of where we can put our skills up against the best to kind of constantly raise the bar in our skill. And, you know, it's, it's not about, it's not about everyone else. It's about you. It's about the growth that you get from it. Like the skills you can learn as a hairdresser. And I guess to why the competition stuff was so important to me, because once I loved my apprenticeship, because you're constantly reaching goals and you do ticking off your modules, you're feeling like, you know, you're the queen of the, like, I've got it. I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning. And then when you stop your apprenticeship, that there's a kind of lull there, you know, Mm. everyone feels this, what now, you know? And I was always that, that person. I was always like, what now, you know? And to get to Australian hairdresser of the year, you have, you can't just get there. You have to show the steps that you've taken. So it starts with the apprentice comps, then it moves to the state comps. Then I've been lucky enough to do trend vision and things like that. And I've made it all the way to the, international level of that which again that that stuff is like fuel like when you're seeing competitions like that on an international stage and you're seeing people from Korea and what they're producing in Spain and you and you're seeing the flavor and you are in that melting pot and getting infused and you come back and you're you know it's like it's enough when you go on a holiday internationally bless you darling you. <laughs> oh, sorry everyone bless you <laughs> that's a really that. cute sneeze <laughs> lucky i'm not <laughs> yeah but it's um it's what was i saying the melting pot and you're there and you're getting oh, yeah. the different flavors from each country exactly it, it's totally. so true and it's that's like something... that when you go yeah it's no. like that when you go overseas for a holiday let mm-hmm. alone when you go and you're when you go and you're a hairdresser overseas, whether it's for New York Fashion Week or for the finals of Trend Vision, you have access to places that you would never, never otherwise see. Totally, these place, these competitions are held at the, you know, the um, the most iconic places in that city. Yeah, so the buildings, the hotels, and or whatever, right everything. Yeah, 
exactly. And you're like, what? I, I, I always, you know that movie, Win a Date with Tad Hamilton? <laughs> I've always felt it to be like that. Like I am winning a date with Tad Hamilton. Like how am I on these bougie experiences? Like how am I in this hotel I haven't paid for? How is this happening to me? Yeah. Like and there's constantly, there's constantly this reflection needed to to realize this is happening you know but yeah it's a lot of hard work that goes into it there's a lot of um like uh, when you collaborate with people there's so much learning that comes from that sometimes it's a misfit sometimes it works really well so I've been someone who's also like you know with Scotty I was like you have to compete now because I need someone I need someone to do the cutting I want to color Mm -hmm. so I've always been a recruiter I've always wanted people to feel what I feel when I do these things and the energy from the the photo shoot the energy from the day from prepping it all the the wefts like how many times we're at the salon with wefts out doing all kinds like it's just it's like nothing else and it's like you don't mind being there till 10 o'clock for free having pizza and a, a wine and doing prep for the day. Like, it's just so fulfilling. And I've always found people like around me, say my housemates or my boyfriends, like, what do you mean you're going on a Sunday to the salon to do? And I'm like, yeah. And like, you're not getting paid. I'm like, no, like, I, I love yeah. it. Like it's the, the energy it. and the thrill. And I think you're totally right in saying that you get to see it from another side when you go internationally and see other countries hustle and how they prep and how they pick their models and everything. It's just such a, such a thrill. Such a thrill, such a thrill. And I've been starting to like make a vision board and set goals now for the next stage of my career. And I'm kind of like, you know, just remembering like, it's kind of like we think the world's kind of ended, but it's like I want to educate internationally. I want yeah. to do these things. Like the fire is there. The fire yeah. will always be there, I think. And something that I think gave you a huge amount of growth. And when I was prepping for today, you know, I feel like I don't have to prep as much uh, or more because it's like when it's your friend, you're like, oh, I know stuff. But like, do I actually know these things? But I was reading your fame team submission last night and I was having this like reflection of being like, holy shit, like, who is this person that I'm reading? Like, you know, you've had so much growth and to be, I feel like that was a pivotal moment in your career and in your life, having that experience happen and, and the change in you now, like, you know, would you have ever thought that this is where you would be now then? No, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever planned things like that, to be honest. I think it's more just I know when it's time to stop something. I know when I need more of something. Um, And then I kind of, and then, you know, I'm trying to now be a little bit more strategic because I'm a business owner of what the next steps are and what I eventually want to create. But um, no, when I did Fame Team, this wasn't, you know, it wasn't the end goal. It wasn't. Um, what do you feel I, like fame knew team I, changed for you or opened like how how is that impacted now for you the fame team's experience the main thing I think fame team accelerated my personal growth it opened my eyes up to an industry that I never had access to before mm. um it 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 um it gave me access to Sharon Blaine to um Kobe to you know, like just like to Jules, like all these people that I had looked at and been like, oh, my God, they're so amazing. Or like been like, I'm going to go say hello at the competition, you know. But then when it was like a personal level, I feel like that's something that I get from the podcast in a way. Like, you know, you have these glorified pedestal people and then you get to talk to them and be in a class with them and you're like, oh, you're a hairdresser too. You're a person too. And yes. now I'm aspiring yes. to get to that level. But at the end of the day, you're just a, you're just a person as well. And a hairdresser yeah. at, at the core, it makes them more yes. human. Totally. And even the other part of it that I think makes them more human too, is seeing their hands live. Like I'm mm. a real watcher I'm watching how you're getting to that point how you're getting that tension 
it's like it gives you um it gives you that zoom in of what is actually going on you know in there um so that skill set of course incredible but the other part of it was my personal growth I don't know if I was ready to be I mean I think I was ready but I at times I questioned whether I was ready because I was very confronted by seeing myself on a platform I had to face myself Mm. I had to face my I had to face the bad voices in my head telling me that I wasn't good enough, telling me that I was too fat, telling me that I was, um, you know, not as cool as the other people or I didn't know as much about fashion or I had to tackle all of those things because they were coming up at the same time as I was being platformed. Mm -hmm. And it was like you have to do it even more so because you've got a whole team who's in it with you. Yeah. Yeah. You can't it's change your mind kind of. Yeah. Like say you, yeah. say you got the opportunity and well, I said, okay, we want you to present on stage at this, you know, it's just you, but when you're faced with those things and you're on a team that the whole point is it's the fame team presenting and the fame team doing it, it would be a whole, and they're strangers. Like, it's not like it's like your coworkers yeah. that you're used to being with. Like that would have, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was, but that's another lesson in itself, you know, when you put, especially when we had the international trip, like it was, it's, there's a lot of, um, what's the word Jack uses a lot? Is it resilience or like, there's a lot of, you need stamina, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, and even on that, you know, hair expo weekend or whatever it is, you are living with other adults, you're learning other people and you're, um, learning how to collaborate with people that you, you've never worked with. Yeah. And there's so much of lessons that come from that collaboration process. And um, even watching how, you know, you assisted us one day at, in Sydney and yeah. just learning how Errol and Dave and, and they, how they work. Like, it, like, I mean, there's just constant learning. Like I just never... Yeah, the the hardest thing, and the only, and it wasn't even negative. I wouldn't put it in that. The hardest thing was just facing myself and going through that personal growth, and having no choice but to be super vulnerable yeah. with these people. But these people, the fame team, and you know, M Division, everyone there, they've got your back. Like they want you to succeed, and they're mm. going to help you. And it might be like you know, I remember one night we we're at in Sydney and on the couch and um Chris was like you know um have you heard of this person Lizzo and I was like no and he played her song and I was like oh my god and then he showed me her album cover and I was like oh my god like it was a profound and this artist has helped me so much with owning myself and owning who I am and um you know they show you things or whether it's, you know, all of them used to watch RuPaul's Drag Race and I never did it. Now, I don't, I'm not a religious, but I'm like, as in watcher of it, but it's like, I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. That's so, you know, like they showed me things. They've in, but I'm um, sure... introduced things into your life that you wouldn't yes. have known had you not had that, those people kind of, it's, it's again, people from different parts of the country or wherever but totally. yeah, you wouldn't have had, same with the clients. Like we're saying, if we didn't have those clients in our chair, we wouldn't know about the sex therapist and the fingerprint lady. Yes. This is the same yes. thing with fame team that they're expanding your horizons that way as well. Yeah. And I even think too, like, it's funny because Chris will send me a picture of the sky every now and again. And they used to laugh at me. You two are made like, oh for God, each other. <laughs> well, no, he's not like, you know, I think it's like, the same way they brought stuff to me and I'm worried mm. that I'm less in maybe a pop culture kind of way there's something I can bring like they give me mm. more acceptance in those parts of me like I don't know much about pop culture but I will notice the sky you know like totally you're so okay. right that that's your contribution your contribution is yourself you you're the contribution yeah mm. whoever you are whatever you've got to bring you are the contribution and that's why it's so important to search for authenticity if you know you're not living in your authentic self yeah. you know dig dig like I try and encourage people go there yeah because again the more we have got ourselves sorted the more we can be of 
assistance to our clients. Yeah. You know, totally. Because that feeling just going back to you, you know, in times in your childhood and in your life, suppressing this person, this sensitive, loud person, suppressing her to fit, that is what your gift is. And that is what you've given Chris or you've given me or, you know, what, whatever it may be. You can't give someone something that's not authentic. And, and if you're not being yourself, what's what's the point? <laughs> What's the point? Oh my God, so much effort. So much effort. Exhausting. You know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, love it. So do you Thanks, feel babe. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> some good stuff. <laughs> we got some good content. We're done now. <laughs> <laughs> so but I want to now get into the independent stuff and the teaching, you know, these aspects that I know you're so passionate about. And I like just live for listening to it and, and seeing your presentations before they come out and these things like I love it. And that I feel like that fame team experience and exactly finding that inner self and that confidence. And it has allowed you to now be like, I can run my own business and I can do my own education because you've been educating since your first year of doing, like, that's always been in you, hasn't it, to have that? Yeah. Yeah, I froth education. I just think it creates this lifeline of our industry, of our, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, whatever you're doing, make sure you are being fed from somewhere and that you are offloading the information you know because I, I think that's the juice that keeps our, our industry um, going and I think that um, yeah I think I never thought I was creative but when I look back and even now that I've got this space to think about how my day's going and what I'm doing and how I'm cooking that thing I am a creative person because I'm always looking for um, you know I was like I have this thing I'm like if you're lazy and clever and I'm not I don't think I'm lazy but mate like I don't want to take extra steps on something mm. if I don't have to I want to get to the point I want the production line like I don't yeah. want to do like double the work if I don't have to work smarter not because ain't nobody got time <laughs> exactly so I think you know as I was figuring out ways that we could um, teach people something when, whenever we, I had a younger apprentice come up to me, I would, you know, try and create processes and simplify help them with all those things. Yeah. And um, I loved it. I loved teaching people how to do a shampoo. I loved figuring out what it was that they're doing that's not getting them the mm. result that we need. Yeah. You know, like, just watching and going okay it's her hand position or she's standing in the wrong place yeah. or uh, you know and now it's even another level of the more you learn or the more you experience you have you realize hair can really do a number on our body yeah. so cross-checking of people's body positions right are you yeah. are you like if if people if you're right-handed and your tint bowl is on your left hand side I've got a major problem with it because yeah. why are you doing that action for yeah. when you can <laughs> do this? Dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are just dancing. Oops. <laughs> I love it. It's going to yeah, be an episode people education. have to watch, not listen, because they're not going to understand what the hell's going on. <laughs> well, we better give them a show then. <laughs> We're breaking into song and dance. But I just had this like thing of being like you talking about educating apprentices and figuring out the, the things to correct is where you thrive and doing the education. And something that is so a question that I think would come up would be like, so why would you go and be an independent stylist? Like, why are you working by yourself if that's the thing that you like? And a conversation that's been coming up in the industry is like, cool, everybody wants to go be an independent stylist, but who's training the rest? So do you want to maybe share on that on how you're educating or how what your vision is past beyond um renting the chair yeah yeah so I think and I said this in my speech like I never planned to be an independent stylist yeah it's never something that was a goal of mine it's never something that I dreamed of it's never even something I imagined but it, it was a matter of my self-worth it was a matter of me and, and it wasn't even something that 
I feel like I was forced to do that because my body was telling me mm. I could no longer do what I was doing anymore. I was a creative director. I was a head educator of colour. I was um, managing a team. I was on the floor Too many myself. Hats. I was, I was wearing a lot of hats, and I was, and I, I kind of, I didn't know how to pull away from them anymore. And I felt like I was drowning. I yeah. wasn't, didn't know. I was unhealthy. I was drowning. I was not able to. My house was always a mess. My, you know what I mean? Like everything was all over the place and I didn't, yeah, it was my body that was like my hands stopped working. They were mm. literally, I was doing foils and they would cramp up, you know, and then I would wake up and I'd be in massive tension when I woke up from sleep. Like, and I was like, this is no way to keep going, you know? So I was kind of like, okay, I know I want to have a salon one day. Um, how am I going to get there? You know, how am I going to get that? I don't have the finances to do that. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't have savings. I didn't have, I was like, okay, well, I need to do something. And the girl that I worked with, Rachel, who works at Regala, she's owned that for 15 years. She's been a friend of mine for 17 years. And she was like, just come work with me, work by work for yourself and see how that goes and yeah and I was like oh my god so scared I thought I don't know I don't know who's gonna come with me I don't know who's you know how I I don't know how I'm gonna do it and she was like you'll be able to do it and I definitely was able to do it and I started a business during COVID you know like I literally resigned two weeks before COVID hit and Mm, was then you know (laughs) and then yeah I kind of and I succeeded very quickly. I was so surprised. I still get surprised by the people that reach out to me. And it yeah. makes, it's all those things contribute to you going, get rid of the voice, get rid of that voice. Because, you know, those clients that are seeking you out and trying to find you on LinkedIn and this, that and the other, that you've made an impact on them. Yeah. Um, so I guess in answer to your, in answer to your question, I needed the space to figure out even how I wanted to take my next steps. Yeah. I know there will always be a community of people around me. And I believe there already is in our little independent hairdresser totally. world. You know, yeah. this, this, the industry feeds us so much that we don't need to belong to a salon to belong. Yeah. And that's almost the misconception that I think sometimes is put out there by salon owners or, you know, uh, not always, but sometimes that's the misconception like, oh, cool. You can go on your own, but you're on your own. Like you don't, you want to be in, in this environment and in the team. And it's like, I feel so connected to my friend, like, you know, how many of us in our core group of friends now are working for ourselves and doing it. And it's totally right. The vision isn't, I never wanted to work by myself and I I work with another person in my salon environment, but it's that you can't, when you're a dreamer and when you're someone who has these big visions, it consumes you as well in the evening. Like I can't sleep. All I'm doing is thinking of Mm. plans. And when you're running a full column and working at a salon and having no control of your hours or this or that, and you have bigger visions, you physically don't have the time to put those visions into action because you're working Mm. for somebody else. And I feel like by having the salon um, to earn my own column and my own business allows me to, if my client cancels, okay, amazing. I have that four hours that now I can put into editing my podcast. I can't do that. I couldn't do that before, yeah. or you couldn't maybe plan your education in this detail in this way and really dissect it the way you have, because you have yeah. too many other, um, job titles that you're doing. Yeah. Right. Or it could be even like I have four hours and it's 30 degrees outside. I'm going to the beach. Yeah. Like it's like that balance too. Like I deserve Mm -hmm. to go to the beach. It's not, I don't need to fill that space with work. I've worked so hard in my career to get to this point. Yeah. I will say, I, I don't, I don't, I think that starting off, like it's like I, how do I say this? I loved working in a group salon. I loved the bigness of people, the community. I loved it. I, I, I highly recommend it. I, I think that there's so much to be offered in terms of education and 
um, all of those th- and opportunities at a big salary. And the like, social skills and- of what we just discussed of having a team of diverse people around you is what you get in that. That's, that's the beauty of it. Yes. Is you have this big network of people. Totally. But I think that most people that do end up moving on. And for me, this is very much part of it. It's like, I needed to nurture what my ideas were. I started having ideas and, and I, I, I wasn't, there were too many limitations because I was working in a business where someone else's ideas were being, you know, prioritized. And it's like, I want to exercise all these things that I'm thinking. And yeah. do it this way and see you how this works. You want to implement and- your balance within the industry, a healthy balance between work and, and life and about emotional well-being. Like those are all things that are part of your core values so much so that if that's not in the core values of where you're working, not to say it wasn't, but for no matter where you are, everybody's core values or three pillars of what they want their business to, to be anchored on are different. Of course, yours are going to be different and yours yeah. out of anybody is going to be different because you have this, this nurturing, you know, diff- side that you are so good at that needs to be yeah, yours. Thanks, babe. It's really not. <laughs> You're that- recording this? <laughs> yeah, I hope not. so. <laughs> Shit, imagine I wasn't. <laughs> I gotta start yeah, over. exactly. Exactly. I actually think like I have big plans for where I want education to go. And I really want to create a lot of education for apprentices, affordable education. So you don't have to work at the you know the best biggest salon with the biggest academy but you can access education just wherever you are and wherever you're working whatever kind of um salon you're working from and I feel like we've got the digital access now we've got these platforms yeah um but I just don't think I would ever have been able to have the space to create like I am now if I was still where I was. Yeah, totally. I owe it to myself. Yeah. I owed it to myself. I've earned it. I, I, you know, it's taken me a long time to say these words. It's taken me a long time to be ready to talk to you, you know, because I've had to process everything myself and like, and know that I was worth it and know that I was allowed. I had to give myself permission to do these things, you know, so I had to eradicate the guilt, eradicate all these you know, there's a lot of perceptions out in the world about, you know, what independent artists are doing and why they're doing it and what we're doing and ruining the industry. But I, as far as I, as far as I see it, evolution is imperative. Change is, it's, it's going to happen. We can't yeah. avoid it. Like, I feel like we're all still one. We're all still yeah. one industry. And you know, what the, you would have the, been. The salon. Either. the salon the salon will never go it will never uh-huh. be yeah a group salon and a big team will never go out of fashion it will always there will always be a need and a demand I believe yeah yeah and I was just going to say like what you contribute to education whether you're in a large salon group or it's on your own having this time to yourself to plan and roadmap and, you know, what you're teaching is not just foil placements and stuff as much as it is you're teaching inner growth. Like the same with Jack kind of having that it's something else, emotional well-being within the industry, all these things like you wouldn't have been able to give that to our industry, which is so important. And so much of what, we're trying to push forward and evolve our industry to be more holistic, maybe in a way or something like that, you wouldn't have been contributing that aspect as much as you would be now. You would have still been contributing color lessons and, you know, which you still are, but this is a different segment to your education that you wouldn't have had, had you not had this self, this self-healing time. Absolutely. And I do believe we're constantly all healing. Like it doesn't stop, you know, personal growth never stops. You don't get to this end point and you're enlightened and you're done. Like it's constant, but I guess like, you know, really making that choice, taking that risk, jumping off and doing my own thing 
yeah, allowed me the space to start my journey of caring for myself. And, yeah, it's like I could have probably taught everyone that this is what we need to do and, you know, try this and blah, blah, blah. But you're not practising what you're preaching. Exactly. Yeah. And I ain't about that. (laughs) Now, something that I think is damn authentic is your collection. And, like, it was... it's you like that collection is what you exude, you know, or whatever the word is. Like, I think that I, I was, I'm all, I always love your collections. Like if I ever, you know, the sticks in that girl's hair, I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) But this collection, I know one is so powerful and meaningful to you because of the diversity within the collection, but also in the fact that it took you to winning this independent artist, um, independent stylist trophy and award validating all of these little inner voices that you said you've had not only was it like you know you validated your parents when you got those trophy or you know that feeling with them then yeah I feel like this collection and this win did that for you also a hundred percent a hundred percent it's I mean, I had dreams about going being up on that stage, you know, like that's such a moment. Like I remember when I ran up then, I don't, I don't ever run, (laughs) but like I ran up there and I, my heart was beating out of my chest because the meaning behind it. And it's so like, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, you know, there's amazing people that get up there and make a speech and they name and they thank everyone. And I didn't even do that. I didn't even mention my team and the photographer and all these amazing creatives that collaborated with me. But I think it's because it, it's more about what that means for my growth, what that means for how far I've come. Like it's um, yeah, the collection and doing that, it was a big financial outlay. Um, but again, I could do that because I was working for myself by then. So I had that money saved and I knew that I want to constantly invest back into my business, you yeah. know. Um, so it was that I put this money and I took that. I had a team, a lot of them I hadn't worked with before. Um, I knew very much so who my models were. Um, and there's a whole nother part of that collection, like a part two that I've got for an AHFA entry yeah. that I'm just hanging, like it's been extended and extended and extended, but I'm so hanging to get that out there as well. Yeah. And, you know, it was very important for me to give the brief to the models of what I wanted them to embody. Like I think as women, we we have been almost in, a, in society been given a secondary role. And as I come to understand that more and more, it makes me angry. I'm very passionate about that. It makes me, it makes me like profoundly feel like we need to make this change. And I, I feel like we need to feel power on it, upon ourselves. Like my sister bought me, you know, because on my birthday everything's closed and she did an office works order and she bought me this plaque and it said boss lady. I don't want to be a boss lady. I'm a boss, period. Mm. You know, period. Like, like this is a shit put in... <laughs> No, that was really No, but you're so right. Why does it have to say lady at the end? I'm just the boss. Yeah, we're just a boss. Like, mm. and I just think like, I guess, you know, I, I feel like I felt that vibration coming from my family as a woman I felt that vibration in the last company I was in Mm. I didn't know it as a black and white thing until I was out of it yeah but I I am very passionate about making sure the women in the world know our power and know that everything that the world tells us to be less of is where our actual power is um I'm really passionate about it and I think that it's important. We have an industry where the majority, it's like a, a female dominant industry, but most of the owners are men, you know, and it's like, okay, 
I'm just so passionate about seeing women stand up. Marie Nali, like Dee Parker doing her thing. She's a two-time Australian hairdresser of the year. Like that is like, oh, my God, I want, I'm want. i a fangirl of my ladies. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and don't get me wrong, much respect. I've got a lot of idols, male idols in this industry as well. But I have felt being under almost, whether it's for the fact that I'm a big girl, for the fact that I'm a woman or for the fact that, I, um, you know, have a, a darker complexion. Like I don't want anyone to feel under. I want mm. everyone to know we can work on that power ourselves. We can lift ourselves up, you know, and there's so much out there in the world that is feeding us now. Like my mm. Instagram is a really healthy place now. Mm. You know, everything is self-love and body positivity and blah, 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 blah. You're conscious um, of the people that you're following on those platforms to make sure that when you are checking into that, it's not a negative thing. You're having these positive things that you're scrolling through. And even just that awareness in itself is huge and something to share with yeah. people, you know, like that's, that's big. Absolutely. So I feel like I could kind of represent that in a collection. I just wanted beautiful hair. It was in the middle of fashion week. I was assisting Joey at Melbourne Fashion Festival. And um, so it was a really good opportunity for me to shoot like in amongst that because I was shooting and I was in fashion week mode. Whereas when you shoot a collection, sometimes it can get dragged out. The photos, the things aren't working. You're trying to get Mm. this shot. Whereas I I was like producing things quickly. If it didn't work, get it back in, wash it, let's do something else. And on the day I remember having this moment where it was like, don't doubt yourself anymore, Charlene, look around you. You're already creating that community. You've got all these hairdressers here that have volunteered your time. Your creatives are inspired by what you're doing Mm -hmm. and the photos are beautiful and it's all coming together. And to then go, and for Sydney, like I almost didn't go to Sydney um, because of all the lockdowns and stuff. Yeah. And then I last minute I was I had a lot of people telling me I think you've got this I think you've won and I was like oh mate if I win and I'm, and not, I'm not there, there. To have my moment yeah I was like I'll die so I went to Sydney I missed my first flight I've been waiting my whole life to win stuff. that fucking Grammy on the stage if I'm not gonna go get it I'm, I'm not missing this one <laughs> literally and I'm so glad I didn't I'm so glad I went. Like I was meant to go with 20 people we had on our table, you know, know. and I was meant to go. And then I it ended up just me being by myself and going there. And I stayed with Chris from Fame Team, who's like my bestie. And I wore this, you know, big dress. I was just like, I'm dressing like a winner. I am a winner. And I'm, you know, I, it was a real reflection of how far I'd come and yeah. to be able to, so many people that night were congratulating me on my speech as opposed to congratulating mm-hmm. me for my win. But yeah. that was a win. The fact mm-hmm. that I got to stand up and, and address say. my industry and say and be seen and be heard and mm-hmm. like feel the electricity of that crowd. I love a crowd. I love being on stage. Like that was that was again fuel every mm-hmm. every success is fuel you know yeah. and every failure is a lesson yeah like we're not going to sit and talk about all the failures but there's failures <laughs> you know okay I you those. But there's some failures. <laughs> there's a dangle barrier too <laughs> <laughs> but i remember oh. watching because i was supposed to be there we were all supposed to be there and you went and i remember having a conversation with you either before or after i can't fully remember when it was but being like this actually probably was the best thing that you had to go on your own because not not sorry you weren't going on your own but you went on your own like the industry is there and when you go you know everyone and it's so exciting but to go by yourself without your Melbourne team that was going to be on your table it was again this validation of independent like it if there was an award to fit something it was that like that's that's the one you had yeah. to win if you won melbourne hairdresser of the year or whatever it is vic hairdresser of the year it wouldn't have had that oomph like it did yeah. of what it was this was that 
it was it was the oh it was just the best i remember watching yeah. it free the whole computer kept freezing and i'm like i can see her she's on the stage and i was in like my friend's spare room <laughs> and being like she's on the stage she won it but we couldn't hear and i just was like this is the best thing that could have happened to you like it was just so so well deserved in the collection i just thought stands for so much so much that is so important and i loved it thanks darling thanks love yeah i do i feel like that independent you know and it's like that yes there has been a lot of talk about independent artists and what that's doing to our industry and but like let's take it back to the human the human is saying that it's a matter of my self-worth and i needed to do this for me case closed as far as i'm concerned yeah. You know, that's that's not a bad, that's not, it, maybe you're not happy with that from your perspective, but if that's what the human needs to do and that's their choice, yeah, it need be respected, you know. And that, that person in your team, if you were working in a team. Could you try again? Oh, no, I cannot, Siri. Siri. Siri, you cannot be on my podcast. <laughs> saying that had you not been able to go and do that independent and and do this self-discovery and self-work and all these things you're not contributing to that team in the best possible way that you can because you're not your best possible self so even if you were to go back into a team whether it's your team or somebody else's now you're a better leader you're a better educator you're a better friend you're a better person 100%. because you've done that healing that would have never happened if you stayed working for that whatever salon group or wherever you were you know like it doesn't yeah you would have never yeah, been your totally. best self because you're drowning yeah and i remember when i first started meditating and going to classes i was like i'm doing this to be better for my team you know, and it took me a long time to realize actually that's a, a misguided thought. It, to it's to be you. better for me. It's yeah. to be better for me. And it's to be like, I think why I'm really passionate too about the well being side of it in a really wholehearted way is because as hairdressers, we do our best work when we are present yeah you know and and there's so many times when we're on autopilot you know um and it's not healthy bad things happen when you're on autopilot you miss magic moments or you know I had an accident on a car accident on Sunday because I'm just in autopilot you know and I feel like it's really important to to do those things to come back to ourselves that's the way you get authentic, you know, when you kind of check in and you have peace and there's all these things like it's, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. I think my goal that I set for myself, I think it was at the start of 2020 was to get healthier. And I'm, I'm so much healthier than I used to be emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. I'm so much healthier. I want to be strong. I want my vessel to be strong. I have these, goals I've reframed and I had to go back and do all the background work and the childhood work because I was stuck in patterns from then I was stuck in dialogue from then that I had Mm. to clear to then reframe to make make a healthier path for myself to make magic happen baby yeah yeah I'm blessed man I'm so blessed I'm very lucky I'm very lucky I'm very grateful I think, and I think that that's the gratitude too that keeps it, like keeps yeah. when you're feeling like a failure that keeps you rolling over to a better place. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it gives you momentum to keep going. Yeah, if that makes sense. Well, I think everything on my kind of tick list of what we would talk about has been covered. If there's, I mean, we could talk about a bazillion things, but I think that this is just, oh, it's good. This is good. And I, I can't wait to, to see what's coming. And I know that, you know, I'm, I know you'll, you are doing and will do amazing and big things and the impact that you've had on, on my life and my emotional growth and my career growth and things on me alone is huge. And what you do within the industry is, is so powerful and important and I'm so glad that you're feeling in a place to be able to share that again and be back and yeah and speak about the things that are important like the emotional well-being and 
and the respect from our clients, you know, all these things that you're doing, I think are so, so good. Is there anything that you feel like we, ha- we haven't touched on or that you want to to say, or you feel? Oh, um, no, I think I touched on everything. I mean, my biggest, most exciting thing, I'll just bug myself at the moment, is that like, um, you know, I've got the brand, the human hairdresser. Yeah. I thought I'd have the salon going first, but, you know, financials and um, COVID hasn't really allowed The world that. doesn't allow but, for a salon opening right now, really. No, but I'm really happy where I'm at renting a chair and my, it's a beautiful space and I'm really working on the human hairdresser, which is really trying to teach. It's all hair techniques, all of those things, but a really mindful approach um, and, a, you know, really touching base with the human and having a real connected um form of education and I've been working with salons and it's mm-hmm. so enriching to be back with salons again and um so I guess that's what's next for me but I I have big massive dreams man and I just I feel really grateful I'm here able to talk to you about them um again well done on everything you're doing babe mm-hmm. because you're killing it and I, I live for your podcast so now I'll be looking forward to listening to mine <laughs> Now you've done your best one. You might as well just have this be the finale. <laughs> so you're done now, right? <laughs> Should we do a part two? Nah, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. And it's been awesome to share. And you're so right. Like there is, there are times where you're not ready to share, you know. And yeah. I think that's important for hairdressers to know as well. If you're not ready to share, if you need to retreat, take that time for yourself. Yeah. Check into what you need. Because your body's always going to tell you. Totally. And I think I did that. I was quite dormant for quite a while in terms of, and now that I'm ready to share, it's like, it, you know, you're the same. It all, it's all coming. And it's like, I've got notes everywhere and notes on my phone. And, you know, I have processes and it's exciting. But I, I, I don't think that would have happened unless I gave myself the time, unless I surrendered to, yeah. I need a rest, I need a break, you know. Love so it. thanks. Well, thank thanks. you for it's your time. I, I love, I actually love the energy that it gives me doing these. Like it just, it fuels me too. So I, I'm grateful for your time and for you sharing your story. And I know that this is going to be a big listen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Successful Stylist Unfoiled. If you made it this far, I hope that it means you enjoyed the episode. If you did, the most helpful thing you can do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's greatly appreciated, and I hope that you'll join me next week on the Successful Stylist Unfoiled.